1: Welcome to the FDH Lounge.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1438. You've got two FDH Lounge original dignitaries here today. It is I, Rick Morris, joined by my close, longtime personal friend, Chris Galloway, my fellow original dignitary. Uh, Chris has been, over the last couple of years, uh, kind of our lead guy on Talking NFL. We've had a uh, good rotation of some other folks in the mix here, but uh, push comes to shove the last couple of years. Uh, In in following in the footsteps of Kyle Ross, I think it's been Chris who's been the guy who's been on the most over the course of a year talking NFL. So who better to have on for our Championship Sunday preview here in 2022? And uh, I always say very snobbly here that uh, this is sort of the equivalent of the Super Bowl for the real fans out there. You know, you have your casuals that like to go to their Super Bowl party and not know shite from Shinola about the game and everything like that. But if you really love the game of football, this doubleheader that sets it up, uh, I feel like is just as great for you, if not better. And, uh, again, really looking forward to it as always, as well as our preview with my man Chris Galloway. Chris it's almost Championship Sunday here, pal. Happy early Championship Sunday.
1: Rick, I know that is your favorite day of the year.
0: One of them, and, buddy. Um, One of them. A,
1: I know for you it is a religious experience. <laughs> um, and I know that you, you, know, you must be excited about traveling to your own virtual mecca this, uh, this Sunday, i.e. your living room couch. Actually, um, so that so that you may pray at the Paul Tagliabue gods <laughs> and uh, it should be exciting. Although I have to say, going to be hard to to uh, pass up what happened last weekend in the divisional series. That yep. was and I know you're I know you're always, you know, Mr. Like, you know, rain down on it. But that was <laughs> some of the best football we have seen ever in our lifetimes in one weekend. I just Those four divisional games were unbelievable.
0: They were. They were. And uh, e- even if the same thing being said by 100 million different people after the game on Twitter about the best <laughs> weekend of football ever was a little excessive, yeah, I can't argue with that. And uh, as far as it goes this weekend, uh, yeah, that might have been the initial plans, Chris, but uh, the, the sometimes referred to on this show Wolfpack. Uh, all my fellow FDH Lounge dignitaries, Dave Adams, John Adams, Ron Glasnap. Evidently, we will be convening in Dave's basement for the game. So the Wolfpack will be enjoying the game collectively here on Sunday. So that will be uh, tremendous. All the better to, uh, to soak in the greatness of this weekend, which, uh, again, uh, in contrast to what we saw two weekends ago, which, again, we talked about this before the playoffs even started. Overexpanded, seven teams in each conference. The fact that the Squealers and the Raiders made it in the AFC showed that there weren't even six teams worthy of being in there, which I know reflects even worse on our Browns for me to say that. So the first weekend was dog crap, one of the worst ever. And, uh, again, there is a lot of times an evening out effect. Even if FDH lounge dignitary Ben Chu sometimes argues with me about the law of averages and things don't always even out, I always tend to see regret. That's a that's an eternal argument. He and I will be screaming at each other about that until we're in in our respective nursing homes. Uh, you know, zooming each well, other to scream about I, that.
1: Listen, and and here's what you can do. when you're in that nursing home,
0: yes, right, uh huh. When when Ben dies, you can be at his you can be at his service and say, "I told you things balance out. You're dead. I'm alive." <laughs> <laughs> Chris, See, it balances out, Ben. Chris, uh, since Ben is younger than us, uh, it might be the other way around, where Ben would at least be forced to concede at my funeral. <laughs> well, Rick, well, you there were. You go. That, that, that also works. I have to <laughs> say, Rick, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I think that might be the likelier scenario of the two. But uh, you know, it, I, I mean. It worked out uh, the way I might have thought, that uh, Weekend 2 was a lot better than Weekend 1, and that is uh, a mild uh, understatement uh, at best, uh, more than a mild understatement. But uh, I wonder if it's the funnel effect, though, Chris, because you've got two teams on paper, uh, the Bengals that look like an incomplete team on the AFC side, that offensive line. I mean, for Joe Burrow to get sacked nine times but the team still advances was really incredible. And uh, quarterback being the biggest question mark for San Francisco uh, and what they've been able to get done there. So Cincinnati and San Francisco, the road teams, the dogs, uh, they look like somewhat kind of incomplete teams. Even if and we'll get to when we get to the, the, the NFC game later. Even though San Francisco has uh, gotten the better of the Rams the last couple of times, I wonder if coming off of that zenith of football weekend, if it might start to go the other way into some games that may not live up to what we're hoping for.
1: Um, I think that's possible. But I just think that these teams, based on their track record on the the last part of the season and uh, the momentum they've built, the the Rams 49ers especially on their history, um, uh, uh, recent history, their competitive nature, the rivalry there, um, the fact that the, the 49ers have won five straight uh, I, I just don't believe that you know that you're going to have, as you like to say, a shite game. I think we're looking at two really great games again coming our way. And you're right; um, the Bengals are an incomplete team. Uh, the Chiefs are certainly much more uh, balanced and rounded at this point. The you know the the line for the for the Bengals. I expect Joe Burrow to get sacked nine more times this week.
0: Wow! Uh, and
1: and somehow Joey just. He just gets right back up and just keeps going at it. Um, And, you know, clearly the Bengals are going to have to address that line finally in the offseason. They're going to have to do something. I mean, dear God. But I think ultimately the Bengals' offensive line, along with the the defense that's not particularly championship worthy, will end up costing the Bengals uh, on Sunday in terms of being able to advance to the Super Bowl. Uh, I expect Brewer to have another great game. I expect their offensive weapons to play well. But I just think uh, that, that, that Cincinnati will outlast them. That said, Cincinnati expended a lot. I remember Kansas City expended a lot of energy and a lot of mojo in that last game. And you do worry, if you're a Chiefs fan, if that's a little bit of burnout there in, in terms of their ability to you know to, to rise to the occasion one more time. Um, but I think with Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, they'll be able to. They'll be over. They'll be able to overcome the Bengals um, because of the Bengals' shortcomings. Uh, but you don't need to look any further than that game they played a few weeks ago. That it was competitive right to the end, and and that's why I think it will be.
0: It was. And then you look. You look at the other game. I mean, look, the 49ers just have the
1: Rams' number. They match up both coaching and personnel wise. But I do think and. And we'll, you know, and we'll touch on this later. I, you know, I picked the 49ers to be my Super Bowl champ preseason. I had the 49ers beating um, uh, the Browns in the Super Bowl. Wouldn't it be ironic if we ended up with a 49ers Bengals Super
0: Bowl? Right. Uh,
1: um, boy, I would feel awfully close on that one. And when I, and then I would just simply remind you at the end of the season, Rick, that, well, when I said Browns, I I just meant a Paul Brown established uh,
0: football team. Brown and so so orange uniforms brown and yeah, orange yeah, you, you mis- called it
1: it was i was referring to paul brown you
0: misunderstood yes. i got it 100% right yes um
1: also uh, so because i you know because i was my preseason pick you have to ride or die with your pick so i've got to pick the 49ers although if i hadn't made that pick and i was sitting here today i would say to you six in a row over the rams with that firepower and that talent and at home really would you bet against that at this point, I probably wouldn't. I'll stick with the 49ers just because I, I have to. Um, but if I was starting from scratch right now, um, I, my money would be on the
0: Rams. Well, you really summed up both games there, Chris. So all I got to say is have a good night, everybody. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, yeah. Lots of diamonds. Okay. okay. All right. Well, yes. Shortest Shortest FDH lounge segment ever. Hey, thank you very much. Or at least it uh, wasn't a solo one, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, The uh, so the early one here, it'll be on CBS, uh, 3 o'clock Eastern Sunday. Uh, Natty on the road here at uh, KC, uh, getting 7.5 uh, from the Chiefs uh, as we tape right now in looking at this. And, uh, again, these teams matching up. Uh, they had that battle a couple weeks ago in Cincinnati, Uh, where the Bengals came out the 34-31 winner, and that was key in helping them win the AFC North division. And uh, again, in looking at this here, and I want to refer everyone yet again to uh, available on the main page at fantasydrafthelp.com, our 2021 FDH end of NFL regular season breakdown with our big sort of statistical roundup. One of the things that's very interesting is uh, that there is one thing on here that's like lies, damned lies, and statistics, because if you look at it in terms of defensive rushing.
1: Thank you, Benjamin Disraeli.
0: Yes, uh, he would He would really love uh, what I've got to say about uh, Joe Mixon and the Bengals, because when you look at uh, the Chiefs here, when you, when you look at all the different categories that are listed here, and this is a very comprehensive uh, statistical index, if I do say so myself, uh, the Chiefs only 21st in defensive rushing yards. Now, their defense this year, as it has improved, it has still been a bend-but-don't-break defense. So you can move the ball on them. I mean, they're 27th in passing yards, uh, but uh, on their DSRS, uh, advanced uh, number, uh, they are 5th in the league, whilst being 27th in overall defensive yards. So highly indicative of bend-but-don't-break. 21st defensive rushing So you can run the ball on them, in other words. You look at the Bengals, and here's the lies, damn lies, and statistics. 23rd in offensive rushing yards. And I had to do a double take when I saw this, but Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon was third in the league in rushing. What it is is Cincinnati, in a league now where it's running back by committee with a lot of teams, when Cincinnati runs the ball, it's pretty much with Joe Mixon. He probably has more of a disproportionate number of the yards on the ground for the Bengals than anybody else. So if we were using, instead of offensive rushing yards, yards by the lead back, Cincinnati moves to third in the league from 23rd. They would jump up 20 points on our uh, rankings here, which instead of putting them 17th overall, would slot them at 11th at the top of our fourth tier. So that makes a little bit of a difference. So Cincinnati probably fits more in that range and certainly closer to the other teams in the field than it would look like based on because that that 23rd really pulls them down significantly. Uh, There are some defensive numbers that aren't as pretty, but that's what you would expect. Uh, Cincinnati's been pretty good on the ground, though uh, fifth in defensive rushing yards. That said, when they played each other a couple weeks ago, it was the Chiefs that really worked more to establish the run. And Cincinnati, that uh, I don't want to say necessarily gave up on it uh, as, as much as they did, but they didn't stick with it as much. Again, it's hard to criticize them in a, in a winning effort. But you did have Joe Mixon on the ground, uh, 12 carries for, I think it was 46 yards. And uh, that was not exactly a, a thing of sticking with it as much as they could have. And I'm looking at it this time around, and I'm wondering if there shouldn't be maybe more of a concerted effort Uh, by the Bengals, to establish Mixon on the ground, try to dominate time of possession a little bit more. They came out kind of even the first time around. Or, if Andy Reid, and maybe this is going way inside the looking glass, if Andy Reid wasn't anticipating they might try to do that in establishing the rushing game to the extent that he did last time around, thus sort of forcing Cincinnati's hand to go with Joe Burrow more so than Mixon. So, as far as what each team was thinking and everything like that, you can get a little too cute or a little bit too clever. But my sense, if you're Cincinnati and you got to approach this as a game where you got nothing to lose, I think that means establishing Mixon even more than he did last time. What say you? Um, I agree with that. I think especially because you're on the road. Yes. That last game. That last game was in Cincinnati. Yep. Um,
1: and there are certain advantages, i.e. Um, you know the the pass protections and other things you got to call, and we know that Arrowhead is an extremely loud, difficult place
0: to play. Yes, and it will be rocking in the AFC Championship game. Joe Burrow won't be able to hear himself think. Yes, and with a with a
1: with a subpar offensive line struggling to pass protect for Joe in that environment, it makes all the sense in the world to try to establish the run and get Joe Mixon going. To your point, you know,
0: I mean, that makes all the sense. That is the traditional coach think, right? Yes, exactly. And and we live in a world now
1: when it comes to NFL coaching that if that's what everybody thinks, suddenly coaches
0: go, let's do the opposite. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That
1: is the the coaching game in the game, you know? Right. Taylor's sitting there going, what does Andy Reid think we're going to do? What does (laughs) he expect me to do? You know? Right. And then it becomes the, well, what if I go ahead and do that. Does he think then that I know that he knows what I know, and so therefore he thinks he's going to switch to what I think, so therefore because he's going to switch, I think back, and I'll go back to the original plan that he does now now, not think I'm going to do. like These guys will get in their own head on it, no
0: doubt about it. Inside the looking glass, as I said, I mean, that's where we are. I mean, we are, as far as trying to anticipate what both of these teams are going to do, what the strategy is going to be, because that's how they're looking at each other. That's exactly right. And it's a situation where, again, on the road in this situation, and, and it, it's easy to be too reductive on a lot of these things here, and sometimes I walk that line, because I do have these strong gut feelings that I just go with, and my gut feeling on this, even if some intellectual wants to tell me that this is far too reductive, I don't care. I'm going with this uh, statement here. If the Bills couldn't win a 42-36 game in Kansas City, the, the, the Bengals sure as hell aren't. So you can't count on going in there and like, well, just so long as we get the ball last at the end of the game. Because as we saw, 13 seconds is still too long to give the ball back to Kansas City, albeit not if you squib kick it. But that's another discussion for another day. A, Bills Mafia. But uh, as... well, And
1: not only that, I would say this, um, you know. The Bills have a hell of a lot better defense than the Bengals. Yes, exactly. So to your point, you're the Bengals. You you
0: can't get into a shootout in Arrowhead. Right. I just don't see it. I agree. With you. Yes. And 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 so everything else
1: aside, it, you know, I, I agree. They've got to try to establish Nixon. Um, they've got to take some pressure off of Joe Burrow, and they got it. So they got to find a way to keep him protected. So yeah, no, that that makes sense, and I think that is what they will do. It's just Try to try to shorten the game. Find some spots for Joe Burrow to take advantage, and 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 you know, that's where I think it'll go. I do think it'll be a lower scoring affair because mm-hmm. the Bengals, even though statistically their defense is not great as of late, you know they've been pretty solid right. um, in terms of just getting the job done. You know what I mean? Like, right. That's not a statistic. I get it, but if you watch the Bengals in the second half of the season, that defense. They just find a way to make a play here and there and and get off the field. And and so, you know, it's bang, the the
0: Chiefs are the bend but don't break. Um, the Bengals have been that as well in the second half. They really so, have been, yeah. So I think that, you know, that's what you're going to
1: see primarily is, is Cincinnati trying to run the ball more. But I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, look, we all know this. This game starts off and Kansas City somehow quickly gets up 14 nothing.
0: That's out the window. Joe Burrow's going to be throwing that ball all over the field. Absolutely. And they won't have
1: a choice. Because you get behind on Patrick Mahomes like that, you're not catching
0: up. Oh, no question about it. Yeah, that's going to force their hand. Here's something where this is going to bring back a little bit of PTSD for perhaps the first half of the season here for us as Browns fans. Not that it wasn't an issue all year long, but third down defense. uh, For for Cincinnati, uh, it is below average, 22nd and uh, unsurprisingly uh, for Kansas City, first in the league. And if, if that statistic is destiny, this game won't even be close. Uh, if it, The Bengals have to get some stops on third down, or they are going to get run off the field. Yep, 100%. So they have to arise to the occasion on that. And there, there's another factor here again, too. And this is where, again, I like the blend – the stats with the gut feelings and the things that uh, a lot of the sharps might perhaps look down their nose at. But there is a little bit of a factor in Cincinnati being in this game of what one might call the really bro factor as far as picking a team to make the Super Bowl. And and that's when, nine times out of ten, it's when a team is making a big jump, really kind of coming from nowhere. And by the way, let's take a moment to put ourselves over while hardly anybody was calling for the Bengals to make the playoffs at the beginning of the year, go back to our 2021 AFC North preview. We got the receipts. We both said the Bengals would be better than anybody thought, even though neither one of us picked them to make the playoffs. Nevertheless, it is still an unfathomable jump, just eyeballing the Bengals the season that they've had, expecting them to be in the Super Bowl. I realize they're just a game away, but it tends not to work out that way. You go back to, And I hope that this isn't a good uh, point of comparison for our boy Joe Burrow, who we're both fond of, but it somewhat reminds me of uh, the Jets, the two years under Mark Sanchez, when they made it to the AFC Championship game. And I remember being pissed the one year they were playing the Steelers. I was like, oh, great, the Steelers get cannon fodder. They get to move past to make the Super Bowl. The Bengals are not cannon fodder, but I think it's still the same thing. Having said that, what might have been an exception to the rule a year ago, had the Browns been able to beat the Chiefs in Kansas City, I don't think they would have had that factor going for them in the AFC Championship game because they would have already beaten the Goliath. At this point, Cincinnati doesn't have that win to point to other than, yes, they beat Kansas City late in the season on their own home field. That's a big win. But that's not a win that's on par where you can say, oh, they could legitimately be a team I could imagine in the Super Bowl. It's still that leap of faith, I think, looking at them to picture them uh, being in the big game in two weeks.
1: Yeah, they don't seem like they're ready. No, they they seem like they've had a great run, and they benefited from a team like the Browns with a banged up quarterback and COVID, you know,
0: wreaking havoc and allowed them to to slide in. Yep. I mean, let's not let's not
1: forget something. I mean, to your point about the opening weekend games and how awful they were and lopsided, that was a function because there were a bunch of teams that frankly just weren't worthy of the playoffs in the playoffs. Yes, and unfortunately. You know, the, the reality is, is that the Browns swept the Bengals this year and they're not in the playoffs. Right. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, a, a couple breaks going a different way, not that the Browns were a complete team, but they were, I think if you look at the team, they were certainly a better team than a couple of those that snuck in and just more of a sense of, of circumstance than anything. So that's why we had the lopsided. The Bengals have sort of benefited that as well from winning the AFC North. You know, I think some of us who are who have not been Lamar Jackson believers are, are pointing a little bit today to saying, "Well, see, I mean, you know, if he's not clicking on all cylinders, they're coming back to the pack, right? And that defense is certainly falling apart as well." Yep. Yeah. I mean, look, this year you can make an argument, and and again, this would be an unusual one, but you know. Hunley certainly played better than Jackson in the in the games he played in. Yeah, and he was the he was the you know street free agent, undrafted. Right. I think the Bengals benefited from a from a division that, for one reason or another, fell back um, to where you know to a place that I think none of us really thought they'd be that far back. So they got in. They got and plus to their credit, they got hot. They're getting great quarterback play out of our boy Joey. But I don't think that they are a Super Bowl quality team right now, and that doesn't mean they won't get in. I mean, they
0: can beat the Chiefs. They can beat them. Yeah. Um. I just don't think they're going to in
1: Arrowhead. I just, I just think, that, I just
0: think it's done. Like they've gotten some Right. Worse they, they have that feel about them, and also playing the fraudulent number one seed in the AFC, Tennessee. Uh, a team, where uh, when I tried to call the consumer fraud hotline on them, uh, they, they told me that's not what we're here for, sir, and they weren't very nice about it. But uh, regardless, uh, I was right. The Titans were a fraud. You said
1: Rich Cordray. Rich Cordray.
0: Yes. <laughs> There's a great Ohio reference. I love it. And uh, you know, the uh, beating Tennessee uh, again. I mean, it you won on the road, but that's about as much faint praise as I can give you. Uh, for beating a team uh, like that, it, it was the Titans with uh, Derrick Henry back uh, for his first game, and uh, they kept him relatively well bottled up, even without Ogan Joby, even with some issues on the off the defensive line. And quite frankly, that's why I mistakenly thought Tennessee was going to win because I thought uh, Cincinnati's defensive line was too banged up. They rose to the occasion, they got here. This feels about as far as they're going to go. The seven and a half, it's one of these things where it, it feels like a coin flip. Uh, on whether or not, I know that uh, in, in my mind, Kansas City's going to win. I think it's a coin flip on the cover, but uh, I think, to be honest with you here, I, I think it's more of a risk to say that Cincinnati covers, because there is the chance this one gets out of hand. So, I, I'm going to take... I, agree. Uh, I I'm going to go... I would go Kansas City 32-24. That sounds about right to me. That sounds really absolutely about right. So, uh, we're both in alignment on that game here. Uh, the other game... Uh, the the nightcap here on Fox, it is uh, San Fran at the Rams. And uh, San Fran, as of right now, uh, they are getting uh, three and a half as we speak. This is one of these things where we've talked about this, that uh, they've had the Rams number, as you said, uh, what is it, uh, the last five or six they've won. They won both of the games. Five in a row. Five in a row. And that's one of these weird things here, because when we talk about how they've done it, It's been very unlikely to me, and it's what's going to lead me to pick the Rams because I just can't see the unlikelihood continuing. But as far as making the unlikelihood uh, happen with the matchups here, I will take my hat off to Kyle Shanahan. I've bashed him on the uh, show for uh, his record in Super Bowls. He has uh, as both an offensive coordinator and as a head coach. uh, He has disgraced himself uh, on the biggest stage. Uh, But some of the other things he's able to do, Uh, Show that he does, in many ways, it's a bifurcation here. He does, in many ways, live up to the, you know, uh, great young offensive mind kind of a thing here. What he's been able to do on the Rams, particularly exploiting the power running on a team where it's a little bit unlikely that you'd be able to do that to them, uh, i got to take my hat off to them. I don't know how long they can keep it up without the Rams making those adjustments, but uh, it's worked thus far, and uh, they got to be in Sean McVay's head at this point, I'll tell you.
1: Oh, they clearly are. I mean, they're
0: they are occupying real estate,
1: and um, you know, I I, I again, I'm yes, so I hedged everything on the on the on the opener. I'm picking the 49ers because I have to. Right. If I wasn't, if I wasn't, if I wasn't already committed to the Forty ers preseason, my money would be on the Rams for the exact reasons you give. Man, it's hard to beat a team three in a row in this league.
0: Yep. Six in a row. Yeah.
1: That's, I mean, unless you're the Steelers over the Browns in the last 20 years, that's
0: pretty damn hard to do. <laughs> let me do so, Let me do my impression of FDH lounge dignitary Ben Chu. You know, Chris, what happened in any past game has no bearing on what happens this game. It has no bearing on the present events whatsoever, the fact that it's six in a row. That's what he would say. I happen to agree with uh, you, Chris. I agree with you.
1: Well, I, I actually would say, that I would say, uh, from a mathematical standpoint... He's one hundred percent right. Right, um, but the law of averages do eventually start to
0: kick in. Yep, yeah.
1: and and it's not always in a thing like football. It's averages. It's just if you play twenty four games, it doesn't mean they're going to be twelve and twelve. It just means you're probably not
0: going to be twenty four zero. Right. Um, you know, you may end up being you know eighteen
1: and six. But right. that being said, I just I just think that it's hard for me to believe. The Rams kind of have it going on right now. They went on the road. They got their Tom Brady scare. They almost had their Atlanta Falcons moment. They avoided it um, thanks to Stafford doing what he had to do at the end. And um, if, if for no other reason than just to torment Browns fans to see OBJ in the Super Bowl, um, I, I, I have a feeling that the Rams are probably going to triumph
0: now. I think so as well, yeah, and that that will be aggravating and all of the uh, OBJ vindication crap that will be flying around uh, because he's actually trying and making an effort uh, out there for once. But uh, I I will say this as well here, in in terms of the law of averages, which, like I said, I agree with you completely, it's one of these things where just because we can't explain it doesn't mean it's not real. And I go back to the all-time example of this the previous season Picking all the games week after week against the spread. After week seven, I was up to like 65 percent, and I was like, "Oh boy, it's all downhill from here." I had a I had a terrible week, and then I decided, you know what? I'm gonna lean into this crash with the 18 wheel, uh, you know, truck here, and uh, I turned a three and 11 week into an 11 and three week by doing a George Costanza. I just I went against my instincts on every game. I went 11 and three, and uh, I said to Ben, "What do you think about that?" And he goes. You just got lucky. I'm like, look, dude, just because I can't explain how it happened doesn't mean it's not real. There's ups and downs. There's peaks and valleys. Not everything evens out 100% in life, but it happens a lot of the time, and that is something that the Niner fans should be concerned about. That is correct. But that now, back to our original talking point. Yeah. This is another one that's based on these teams'
1: histories and the psychology of the coaching matchup. Yeah. I think it's going to be very, 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 very close. I think this is a game that's going to come down right down to the end, and yeah. I, I think it's inevitable. Uh, more so than even the Chiefs Bengals game, I think this is a last play
0: of the game uh, type of uh, wow. matchup is what we're going to see. Well,
1: maybe a field goal, the the, the you know the drive to win it at the end. Something along those
0: lines. Well, and, and again, on the whole thing of, like, who can say how or why these things happen, but they're an immutable fact of life, if the Bengals somehow win the opener, look, dude, the only time two times they've ever made the Super Bowl, they've played the 49ers. I mean, it feels like it's destiny if the Bengals win uh, the opener. And uh, I was. Does, that is a funny thing. If we end up
1: with Niners-Bengals again, <laughs> that, is, that is just hilarious. It's like... Can we
0: play somebody else besides the 49ers? <laughs> yes. I was. That's where I was joking with you the other day about uh, on the last drive of the game for the Niners, they're going to have to beam up a hologram with John Candy in the stands for Jimmy Garoppolo to point to, you know, we're like, we're going to have to recreate. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and that is, that would, actually, that would
1: be classically
0: funny. Dude. And that is, you know, for, for any of you kids out there, go Google that. That is a deep in the weeds reference. Uh, I'm the first to admit, but, uh, You know, when you look at this here, here's one of the things that's interesting is that the Rams, they have a very, very good rushing defense. And again, obviously with one of the greatest defensive tackles of all time, heck, one of the greatest defensive players of all time, Aaron Donald, inside, you'd expect nothing less. The the tackles are somewhat more the foundation of that run defense than the ends, even though the ends are very good as well. That said, and looking at the numbers here, uh, as we we go back to this end of regular season breakdown, available on the main page at fantasydrafthelp.com, this is hilarious to me. The Rams are 6th in defensive rushing yards. The 49ers are 7th. The Rams were, I think, only like 6 yards better than them the whole season. But you know what? If the Rams didn't have to play the 49ers... I bet you they'd be second or third. I mean, it is San Francisco that has been able to uniquely attack them, and like I said, more so going at the ends, more so going outside than up the middle. But the way that they've done this, it's a thing where, again, you you have a significant disparity at quarterback, as you did last week uh, with Garoppolo. He survived on the road at Green Bay, although you and I talked about this ahead of time. San Francisco, stylistically far more... The cold weather team than the Packers, which we saw. The Packers are more of a finesse type team playing in cold weather. The 49ers are built for that type of weather, uh, as we saw. But you're looking at another week here. If you just look at again the law of averages of Jimmy G overcoming. I mean, look, Matt Stafford is not He is not elite on the level of Aaron Rodgers, but he is at least a borderline elite quarterback, and Jimmy G who made it to the Super Bowl two years ago, this is one of these things where the way that we saw him then versus how we saw him now, Jimmy G won the first five games of his career as a starter in San Francisco. Then he got injured, and then they had that run to the Super Bowl. So there's Jimmy G as we saw him then. And that's not the Jimmy G that we see now. He looks more like one of these guys in the whole Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield type level. Now, an Eli Manning guy like that won two Super Bowls, so you never know. But if you're just looking at the law of averages, Stafford versus Garoppolo, can the 49ers for a seventh time in a row overcome? Now, it hasn't been Stafford as quarterback all seven times, as we know. My my guy, Jared Goff, was in there for some of it. But just, just saying that again, the law of averages, the better quarterback. Look at the AFC championship game. It's Burrow uh, and, and it's Mahomes. This is a thing where the 49ers are an outlier in terms of where uh, the teams are in the NFL today. The, the Buffalo certainly deserved to be in the AFC Championship game again this year with Josh Allen. On and on and on, examples proliferate, and San Francisco at this point is the exception to that.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absol- absolutely. I mean, I just, and I think that that speaks to to your to your pick in this game. The law of average, and right now Ben is just like <laughs> screaming into his <laughs> I think Stafford is the more dynamic quarterback right now. Garoppolo is, is not performing at a championship level. Um, that said, you know, he'll, that guy just finds a way sometimes, though. He'll show up. Then, then here's You talk about a lot of averages, Rick. I'll give you one, all right? Okay. What do we both know about these quarterbacks? Matt Stafford has an incredible ability at the
0: worst moment to shit the bed. He can. Uh, and, and then... Jimmy
1: Garoppolo, when you write him off for dead, will suddenly throw for 380 yards and four touchdowns. Right. And i got to think Jimmy G, even though he's going to be on the road, is going to be feeling fine inside that beautiful $5 billion stadium. Temperatures, mild, no bad weather. Um, It's not going to be nice and warm. I think he's going to be perfectly fine operating in that environment, which I think is, again, the 49ers are built like a cold-weather team except for their quarterback. True, um, And and uh, and so I think, you know, I think Jimmy will be very comfortable in this game. So, again, <laughs> Matt Stafford, innate ability to, to, to absolutely be awful at the worst possible moment. I think if you're a Rams fan, you've got to be scared to death of that. And if you're a 49er fan at this point, the way the season started, and the talk about you know Trey Lance and you're going to move off of Garoppolo and again our preseason prediction I said this I said they're going to draft this guy they're going to they're going to mortgage the future and then they're going to go win the Super Bowl with Jimmy G and then be faced with a whole thing about well now what do we do and by God that prediction is almost is so close to coming true
0: yeah that is true you're you're right about that and ultimately. In, in looking at this here, and again, let's not forget the, uh, the, the, the great uh, factor of Debu Samuel for uh, San Francisco, uh, a, a true Swiss Army knife as far as all the things that he can do, rushing, receiving, whatever. By the way, one last point on Jimmy G. Before you expanded on your point, when you said... Jimmy G should be feeling fine when they get to LA. I wasn't quite sure until you expanded on your point if there was the hint of a leer in your voice there, if you were somehow indicating that that porn star might show up in his room the night before the game or whatever. So, you know, I'm gonna i to assume that that was a one time blinding. Huh? Yes, exactly, exactly. I just thought, I wasn't sure if you were going there initially. You're like, where is he going with this? That's no, right. And then you actually made X's and O's points there and brought it back. But, uh, you know, yes, uh, when, when you're just looking at again, so you got Debu Samuel on the one side, Cooper Cup, uh, who has just become an all-world type player, and uh, somebody who just uh, stabbed me right in the groin in my fantasy football championship game here this year uh, playing against him. So uh, there's that. But one wonders also, too, because San Francisco has been good at getting pressure uh, on Stafford in the, in the games where they've been able to beat them. So uh, whether it be uh, now that you have more of a full complement in the backfield of having Cam Akers back in there uh, in, in the mix, maybe getting some screen passes in there, uh, they went a little bit more to Tyler Higby the second game where they were at least more successful offensively, even though they didn't win the game. Uh, you know, one wonders what uh, McVay might have up his sleeve uh, to try to keep uh, Bosa and company uh, out of the backfield because uh, he hasn't had much uh, luck in the previous two games, keeping that from happening.
1: Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt about that, um, and uh, I think that's I think it's the defensive line matchup in this game that's going to decide. The one that gets it done. Each each team's defensive line has got to rise to the occasion, dominate, and that's that's who you're going to see. That's going to win. That's who's going to win this ball game.
0: I agree with that. I think it uh, is going to be uh, very decisive in that regard uh, as far as how they can make that happen. And, uh, again, just all the uh, the weapons on both sides of the ball. Uh, you, you've got, uh, of course, as I said, uh, Aaron Donald, uh, quite possibly the best uh, player on the field. Uh, again, he hasn't been enough to make the difference for the Rams to win against San Francisco recently. The one thing, if, I, if I'm a Rams fan, that might make me a little bit concerned because this was the thing where my, it was was my first thought on this game is that uh, what San Francisco really has going against them uh, there. And this is always a team that I'm giving the fish eye to whenever this is said about them, not built to come back, San Francisco, not built to come back. And then I remembered, Oh, that's right. They came back from 17 down to beat the Rams the last time they played them. Now, again, I'm going to put that under anomaly And that they've been able to do things against the Rams that I think ultimately will not be sustainable in this game. But they've blown up the narrative that they're not a team. Now, again, they fell behind 17-0 relatively early. I mean, there was still six minutes to go, second half. uh, And, uh, again, they were able to uh, put a dent in that with a field goal right before halftime. Then it's a two-touchdown game. But two touchdowns is still a lot when you look at the Rams' explosiveness. Versus what the 49ers have to offer, but they were patient. They stuck with the run. They came back. It didn't help uh, the Rams that uh, Jimmy G. It was good Jimmy G. on that day, and he was able to kind of help bring them back. But uh, it'll it'll be well, interesting to see. You also need to look at what happened in that in that Rams Buccaneers game. Yes. The
1: Bucks the Bucks are struggling offensively, and the Rams just couldn't put them away. Right. And and so I think you you cannot down play the, the psychological element that what they went through the week before and then they get into it with their rival uh, you know, if they get into that sort of situation where they get up and then the 49ers are coming back, it's going to, you know, what happened to them previously against the 49ers and then what happened the week before against Tom Brady i.e. Jimmy's buddy, um, they're going to be thinking about it. They'll say no, no, no it doesn't matter. Um, but you, it's it's human nature, man. They're going to be thinking about the week before and the last time they played the 49ers. Their sphincters will get so tight, so tight. And, um, I, again, I, I think you're right that the 49ers, you know, in general are not a come-from-behind team, but they've done it. And then you look at the Rams, they let somebody come back in last week that was struggling. And it's not like the it's not like the Bucks were fully loaded last week. They were having problems on that line. They're down a wide receiver or two. Um, Brady didn't look that sharp towards his season, and the Rams let him right back in the game. So I don't I don't think that there's a, you know, I think you're right in general that the 49ers are not built that way. But um, And I don't think this game is going to go that way. I don't see either one of these teams jumping out to a big lead. I think this is going to be one of those classic Rams 49ers games. that's a grinded out slugfest, you know. Defensively oriented, score touchdown. Halftime is ten to seven, and then we come back out. So then maybe there's a quick score. 49ers go
0: up. Rams come back, score two, go up ten. 49ers come back, get a touchdown. You know what I mean? It's yeah. gonna be one of those things. No one's gonna, no one's gonna get too far out front. And um, and again, I think it'll come down to the to the very very end. I I agree exactly with what you're saying because. I believe in the end that the Rams are going to win and cover, but that said, there is a number in this game that is going against them, as as I look at the statistics here, uh, that's a mirror image of what we talked about in the AFC Championship game, that the uh, the Rams defensively, 21st and 3rd down defense, San Francisco, believe it or not, first in the red zone offensively. And that I would ascribe probably primarily to the power running game, particularly in a year where George Kittle was hurt a good chunk of the year. You can't say it was necessarily lobbing at the Kittle in the end zone that much. I think the power running game down there. But regardless of how they did it, they did it. So that is a thing where, uh, again, you you have to, to look at that and uh, and and – See what the capability is going to be. By the way, on the on the third down uh, defense here, this is a thing. I believe, and I think the league should probably uh, investigate this. Paul D Podesta was probably hacking the league computers because third down con- uh, conversion percentage. It listed the Browns at 13th in the league by the end of the year. There's no way they improved to that level, Chris. I watched the games. I'm not blind. Well I, I know,
1: but they did actually. I know you don't want to believe it, but they actually
0: did. It doesn't it doesn't uh, feel that way.
1: I know it doesn't, but
0: they did. Okay. Uh, the
1: Browns the Browns defense got better and better as
0: the year went on. They, they did. did. They they I know you don't want to hear it. They they did improve, uh albeit the Browns were still twenty seventh in the red zone. That feels about right uh, defensively. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And looking at this, I'm going to go with the, uh, the Rams in this one here. So we're, you're you're
1: saying two years in a row.
0: Yeah. The
1: home, the the team is going to host the Super Bowl in their stadium.
0: Believe it or not. Yeah. And I was reading about this. This is, it wasn't great logistically a couple of years ago for the league, uh, which by by the way, you know, cry, cry me a river. Anytime something's not good for the NFL and and all the, uh, the, the evil folks in the front office, but, uh, you know, when Minnesota hosted the Super Bowl and they were in the divisional round, it was still tough to do the turnaround on that. The turnaround this time around, oh, we can't have the signage that makes it look like a Super Bowl and the this and the that, and so all the decorations and everything like that, they're having to do stuff off-site, they're having to whatever, uh, to which I say good for Roger Goodell when I hear stuff like that.
1: Well, I mean, that's, no, it's not, it, you know, they like to write stories about that, And there's hand-wringing and everything, and at the end of the day, it's not an
0: issue. I know, but Um, it's just it just makes me smile. It makes me smile. Roger Goodell is not out there having to put posters up in the stadium. Well, that's true. That's true. You're
1: not, you can, you can, you'll be all like, ha-ha, Roger. (laughs) Roger."
0: Yeah, well. Um, (laughs) I mean, I
1: think it's kind of neat if you had the, if you had the, um, you know, if you had the if you had the Rams again like the Bucks hosting the Super Bowl, that's
0: kinda cool. Well I mean, we've
1: never seen it in the course of the hit, entire history of the league, and all of a sudden two years in a row. Hey been two. Albeit what's happening. Albeit <laughs> the, no, the what? meme. We're,
0: we're, right. <laughs> it's well never
1: happened. We've had fifty without it. Now we're gonna have fifty in a row. Two
0: me? two things about it. First of all, let me be the guy from the actually meme because there were times where it was at least close to that. The Rams, actually, the only time they ever made the, uh, the Super Bowl uh, prior to uh, the 99 season, uh, the Super Bowl was in the Rose Bowl when they were playing. That's, or, that's true. It was outside the, the Pasadena. In, yeah, really the Pasadena. Serious, so yeah. home market plus uh, my Dolphins uh, had to go to uh, Stanford Stadium to play the, uh, the 49ers uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, back in uh, after the 84 season. So there was that. So there have been examples where a team's been in its home market. But the other thing I got to say is, you're missing the other common denominator, Chris. This is going to be twice in a row now, if we're right, for Kansas City. And Kansas City's going to be sitting here going, can't we play on a neutral field one of these years? <laughs> <laughs> that actually makes me laugh. I,
1: like, I wouldn't mind that because... All the talk about the Chiefs and all the, the, the Chiefs fans, like, they're going to win 10 Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes. And we were like, okay, let's see. Yeah. Uh, don't get too far ahead of yourself. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that would actually be funny if two years in a row they had to play somebody in their home stadium. Exactly. And they lost them
0: both. <laughs> exactly. And I, I will tell you, I go go back to this, and there there are certain football games that are so great that even somebody that's not into pro football admits that it's a great game. And in this instance, that would be my dad. He and I were on the road, I remember, that legendary Monday night game, I think it was two years ago, Kansas City and the Rams, that they had there. The one that went back and forth, back and forth, and one of the great games uh, ever, really. Uh, and so to see these teams get oh, matched that was up. Amazing. What, yes. was amazing. Yes. 50-something to 50-something? It was like, I think, 54-48 in overtime, I think. And uh, it was That was an amazing game. The Rams won that game. Yes, it was. It was just... It, but And here's the thing, though, too. It was one of those things where, like, going in, everybody was expecting, uh, as they would say in the world of pro wrestling, a five-star match, and it actually delivered. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. that's... It, it actually lived up to it, if not exceeded it. So... They're going to have a lot to live up to if they face each other again, again here. That game's going to be getting played uh, an awful lot as far as uh, people referencing it and whatever. So uh, that's that's my pick for the Super Bowl. It's sort of your pick because, like you said, if, if, if you had it to make fresh, you would go with the Rams. But, uh, again, pot committed on the 49ers here. I respect I win, that. I'm so I'm going to say 49ers for six in a
1: row. The upset, somehow, I
0: don't even well, I don't
1: really believe in it, but I'm hot I'm committed,
0: so here I go. Well, the thing I respect most about that, and the thing I identify most about that with, is that either way it goes, you can say, that's what I picked. And so that's yeah, what well, I respect. You'll,
1: and you will remind me, that is not what you picked. <laughs> you had an opportunity to amend your wager, sir, and you didn't do it. <laughs> well, It's more important for me to be. It's more important for me to be
0: right from the preseason pick than it is for me to be right right now. (laughs) Chris, let me just say, ever since I met you, I knew that you one day in your future had had this phrase in your future. Permission to revise and extend my remarks? Exactly, exactly. So we'll have to see how it uh, plays out, but going to enjoy the games uh, this weekend. It's going to be awesome, and I look forward to uh, catching up on the NFL with you in the not-too-distant future. Thank you for being here for an unforgettable Championship Sunday preview, my man. Hey, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it, pal. Thank you for joining Chris Galloway and Rick Morris breaking down the Championship Sunday field in 2022.